You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Here are your hosts, Chris Evans and Taylor Welch. What is up, my crew? Portfolio Builders podcast. We are rocking and rolling. Today, I've got an interesting podcast uh, for you guys today. I interviewed someone that I've known for several years now. When I was back in the throes of the foreclosure industry, I was managing a national rehab company. We were working with top banks in the country, helping them get their properties rehab back on the market for sale. This is a guy that I was connected with back then. This is a guy who's been in the real estate industry for years and years. And what he has done is he has been a leader and a leading voice in communicating the trends of the market. He is a data guy, okay? So this is a guy that looks at all points of data, many, many, many points. He's just looking at data day in and day out to try to get a grasp and understanding of where the market's at and where the market might be going, but also taking into account what's happened in the past and so that we can make good decisions as investors for our future. Because as you know, a lot of people, they over-leveraged. They, they got... Uh, too deep in and didn't make wise decisions. But there were also investors who looked at the data. They looked at it in an unemotional way and did very, very well. And that's what we want to be here at Portfolio Builders. And that's what we want to help you with as well. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. You're going to enjoy this podcast because if you can grasp this stuff and really implement it for you and make wise decisions for the future, no matter where the market's at, you know, if it's quote at the top or not. You can still make good decisions and still buy good deals, but it's all about knowing the right data. So we're going to jump in and find out. Mr. Darren Bloomquist, the one and only, the expert of experts in the real estate space, especially on trends and data. Welcome to the podcast, my man. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to reconnect. Yes, sir. You're out in Cali. Is it sunny out there today? It is. Yeah, maybe you can see through my window. I had to pull the shade down. Yeah. A little bright in here. <laughs> Must be nice, man. We've got it's, uh, it's stormy tornadoes. Us. Yeah. So nice for you. Give us, so the people listening, this might be the first time that they've heard of you. Give us your two-minute story, man. What's your background? What do you do now? And um, yeah, just give us the, the good stuff. Yeah, I started working uh, almost 20 years ago now for, uh, I moved to California, started working as a temp job for this little startup called Realty Track. Um, didn't really know what I was getting into, thought it was a temporary job until I found a real job, but that turned into 17 years working for that company, which grew wow. like crazy uh, and really, and probably some, many of you have heard of that, although the Realty Track has been swallowed up by Adam Data Solutions, but um, we uh, we were a site for finding foreclosure properties. And one of the first sites that did that on a national level, we got on back in, in like 2000, we got on Yahoo, which was a big deal back then. Um, and on, on the Yahoo homepage, you know, if you wanted to find foreclosures. So, uh, and then we started, my role at the company uh, evolved into really being the person who was looking at trends in the marketplace. And we started releasing a 
and creating content. Uh, we started releasing a foreclosure report in 2005 before really a, a lot of the, the bad stuff started happening. Mm -hmm. And we were there at the right time when the bad stuff started happening that, uh, that we, we, we were the only source that had this data and had actually started seeing these huge spikes in foreclosures early on. And we got a lot of flack for it. People were like, no, no, this, this market is fine. It's, you know, it's coming in for a soft landing. You guys are, they try to find ways to find problems with their numbers. And they did find some problems with the way we're reporting sometimes. And, you know, they would latch onto that. But at the end of the day, the, the headline was correct that um, foreclosures were skyrocketing. Mm. And uh, so we came the de facto source for that. And that, that business then evolved also into licensing out the data, the foreclosure data to start with in bulk, um, because there was a lot of, frankly, government agencies and, and companies that wanted that data and wasn't available in bulk anywhere else. Uh, so uh, at a national level, so that's uh, and that company then became Adam Data Solutions and still still exists today. But I made the switch um, just about a year ago over to Auction.com, which is uh, where I am now. And and really, it's exciting to be. Even though we do see a, dis a foreclosure market that's shrinking, um, Auction.com is gaining market share. It's really the uh, the 800 pound gorilla in the space. Mm -hmm. of of transacting on the foreclosure properties that go to the traditionally have gone to the courthouse steps to be auctioned off where our platform handles about 50% of those nationwide. Um, wow. So, and that's, we just hit that 50% mark. We've been growing over the years. And, um, and then we also do the REO auctions, but once, if the property goes back to the bank, reverts back to the bank, banks are having us auction off their properties. Those are all online um, where you can bid on a property anywhere in the country from uh, on auction.com on those REO bank owned properties. And I get to like play with the data, uh, look at the public record data, which I was looking at before, but also then this operational transactional data we have on our platform to really shed light on the market for our business to help us know, because it's important. I mean, the trends in the marketplace are going to impact our business a lot, as well as our clients, the banks, and our buyers, who are uh, probably a lot of your listeners um, would fit into that that category of folks who are looking to find property to buy um, on our on our platform. Yes, sir. So mostly right now at auction.com, you're analyzing the data, the trends, and then how is that coming out on the end? What what's the the action points with that. What do you guys do based on that data that you are coming up with or analyzing, yeah. filtering out? Sure. I mean, uh, I'm I'm creating content out of that that's delivered to internally to our business leaders to help them make decisions about what direction and where to where to press on the gas, where to press on the brakes in terms of the market, um, mm. and also to our our sellers, the banks, helping them understand the dynamics in the market and how on the flip side how buyers are behaving and how the market is behaving so that they can make decisions about how they price properties is a, is a big deal. Um, I mean they have on, on these there's some limited control on pricing because these are foreclosures but um, they can price them at auction in different ways 
to aggressively or less aggressively. So that's one of the big decision points for, for them. Mm-hmm. And, and then also just uh, whether to go with, uh, you know, the foreclosure auction platform or not with more or less of their properties and, and showing that our platform can really um, create a transparent marketplace. And then lastly, the buyers creating content that will help inform the buyers about how to make decisions when they're um, looking at where to buy properties um, and uh, you know what markets are best for for certain investing strategies based on what we see in, in our data and what people are actually doing with the homes once they purchase them. How would you say real estate has performed since the recession? It's been, uh, it's been an amazing ride. I would say for the most part, it's been, um, I was just looking at the numbers, you know, home median home prices nationwide are up 88% uh, since. Wow. Uh, since 2000, things bottomed out nationwide. And of course, each market is a little bit different, but it's yeah. pretty, you know, around that time, most markets bottomed out first, second quarter of 2012. Since then, um, in the last eight years, we've seen 88% price growth nationwide. And in some markets, it's above that because mm. we were coming off of really a correction, overcorrection to the low. So the market has bounced back and there's, you know, there's a lot of, when you look at the economy, there's a lot of criticism. This has been a, you know, a very slow rebound, kind of tepid recovery, people call it, but yeah. I would, that's not true about the housing market. Um, the housing market, at least it, when we stand here eight years later and look back, there was, uh, the, the housing market took off like a rocket there right around 12, 2012, 2013. And it's leveled off a bit, but which is good, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still going strong. There's and um, and performing very well. Rents rents have not gone up as much, but you went you went but they're up about fifteen to twenty percent nation. And of course, nationwide it varies a lot. There's a lot of markets that have gone up much more uh, rapidly than that. So. We're, real estate market is on fire, which actually, you know, can causes a lot of people to to get nervous about when yeah. that when is the shoe going to drop. And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we this market is accelerated so fast for so long that it is in a place where we don't see any like intrinsic inherent weaknesses in the market. You know, systemic weaknesses like we did. Um, back in 2006, mm-hmm. seven, when there was these loans being generated, subprimes, yeah, just not um, that were destined to fail, pretty much. And then we started, so we don't see that kind of systemic weakness um, or f- inherent flaw in the market. However, it is it has gone up for so long and so fast that it is, I think, susceptible to. Um, a slowdown uh, and and correction is the words I would use, and it's probably a lot of very likely be more regional in nature. We are starting to see markets um, on the high end that are I would say are in correction mode, and and there's not a lot of them, but coastal actually where I live, coastal California, is probably the best example of that. Mm. Bay Area, 
up north, I'm in Southern California. We've been seeing home prices decline on a year-over-year basis for three consecutive quarters up in San Jose. We've seen that for one or two quarters in other parts of coastal California. And there's a few other smattering of markets around the country where we're starting to see that correction. And I think that um, is very likely to, to spread. Um, and the other risk that we see in the market is spread to more markets by the end of 2020. Um, you know, we're off to a great start in 2020 so far. Things are looking uh, uh, great for the market. But um, the other weakness I was going to mention that we see in our own data and also external data is you don't have subprime loans, but you do have FHA loans. And those were designed mm. to credit in markets like this where uh, it's, it's tougher. Mm -hmm. Standards have remained pretty tough in the conventional market. And so FHA has gradually, especially since 2014, loosened their uh, standards, I guess. Um, and, and you see that the loans are being originated by FHA are getting increasingly, have gotten increasingly riskier in terms of debt to income ratios, yep. um, credit scores of the borrowers, and, uh, and then also down payment assistance. Those are pretty much all at record highs, or well, credit score being not a record low, lowest level since 2008, but DTI and um, down payment at record highs assistance. And so that's, it's, it's you know, about 15% of the market out there. Um, but th there's a risk and we're starting to see data come into our platform that, that in, we do a lot of FHA business and, um, that that's, we're going to be seeing inflow increases. We just did a survey of our clients uh, that we're going to be releasing. We're going to be releasing a public version of that. But one of the takeaways is 66% of them believe that they're, they're going to see an increase in foreclosure inflow this year. Mm. When you drill down, really the product type where they see that coming from is FHA, 80, 90%, 89%, 90% said they expect an flow from specifically FHA loans. So yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember with FHA, um, I think first time home buyers or non-investment buyers have first crack at those foreclosures. Is that right? Do you know? Um, there is a, I know there's a first look pro, what they call a first look program through Fannie and Freddie foreclosures. Mm -hmm. I actually don't know about that. I could, I should know this, but I don't, I've not, don't know about that through FHA. Um, one of the things, a paradigm shift with FHA that was largely, um, you know, we, we do a lot of this business is what they call the CWCOT program, Claims Without Conveyance of Title. Just a long acronym to say that they're, um, rather than take, uh, transfer that property back to HUD, conveying that property back to HUD, the servicer, the bank who um, originated that loan or owns that loan, um, it's insured by HUD, HUD doesn't own the loan, but rather than go through this process of give, conveying the title back to HUD and then HUD eventually sells it, this claims without conveyance of title allows them to sell it at foreclosure auction or even as an REO on our platform, for instance, mm. 
and not have to go through that long and ar somewhat arduous claims yeah. process to transfer the title um, or conveyance process to transfer it back to HUD. And so what that's done is it moved, it's, it's, um, it, it's moved the, the selling of that property up further in the funnel, making it available earlier to investors before the property sits um, potentially vacant for several months. And it's right. better for the for HUD. They're losing less when they sell that way rather than trying to take it back themselves. Um, and so, which is, is better, of course, for the taxpayer. But um, yeah, so I don't know. But there, I mean, there is a, there is a, with Fannie, Freddie, FHA, all those, there's an understandable desire to get properties into the hands of owner occupants if possible. Um, the reality is at the, for, the foreclosure auction, there's just built-in obstacles for owner occupants that make it just un, unrealistic in many cases for them to buy. Um, if you're at the foreclosure right. auction, you have to produce cash in most states um, and you don't get to do an interior inspection of the property. And so that's a stumbling, those are two big stumbling blocks for a right. lot of owner, regular owner-occupant buyers. And what we've seen is really real estate investors actually are a better bridge to get a property back, you know, in into good condition mm -hmm. into the hand, and many times in the hands of owner-occupants. Um, many of our buyers uh, are, are rehabbing the homes and selling them back right. home. And some of our rehabbing and renting, which is to us a a good out, outcome as well. At least you're getting you're, you're taking a property that in many cases is uh, in in poor condition, distressed, and getting it into either resale ready or rent ready condition. And um, we see that as a, as a positive for helping to improve neighborhoods overall. What do you see some of the main elements that influence real estate performance? So you said in some of your areas where you're at, you're seeing it start to taper off, maybe decline some. What influences that versus in Charlotte, we're still seeing values go up? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's supply and demand um, is this the short answer. But uh, and, and really the hallmark of this recovery has been Early on, there was an oversupply, and some of the large investors came in and swooped, saw an opportunity, and and gobbled that that supply up pretty quickly. A foreclosure supply. Yep. Now we're we're now we're in a place where uh, inventory is low, both in the retail market and the distressed market. It's it's tough to find properties, and demand is high because people are confident. <laughs> the more this this uh, Recovery has gone on, the more confident that folks get and that there's buyers out there, investors out there who want to buy the property. So you see um, you see that's kind of the overarching theme. Yeah. What has crept in makes Charlotte different than San Jose is affordability. And so um, it is the, is if I could pinpoint one thing, so you, mm -hmm. you reached a point in San Jose, it, it seemed like it, the prices just kept on going up crazily, um, but finally reached a tipping point where 
the price of a home was just out of reach for too many people. And that of course trickles down to investors because investors don't want to be, even if they're getting deals, you have to be, you know, if you're buy, selling back in or renting back into a market that's unaffordable, you're not going to have as much demand. And so right. demand has fallen off there in a market like Charlotte, you have uh, still homes that are relatively affordable. Um, and, and then you have a kind of compounding effect of that is uh, you have migration trends that are people are moving from places like California and in part, in part because of the affordability issue. There may be some other is tax issues as, um, as I know that you talk about a lot that mm -hmm. are in that. And so you have just looking at the census migration data, um, California had a, a net loss was one of behind, um, behind New York with the biggest net migration loss in, uh, in 2000. I was just looking here at, uh, not surprisingly, yeah, North Carolina had a, both the Carolinas had net migration gains. And so you have that population uh, moving that is creating even more demand in, in, a, in a market like that. And so certainly those are some of the elements that, that cause the difference between different markets. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, and then the, the market has become, I would say, very sensitive to mortgage rates and that's not specific to one, any given market, but across the board, when we saw mortgage rates just go up a little bit over 4% back in, in 2018, you saw the housing market respond pretty dramatically and slow. There was a really uh, strong slowdown in the housing market, and and um, and so that's uh, that's a that's a big deal right now. And if you see mortgage rates go up, that could um, be a, a big trigger for a housing market slowdown. So, what do you see the market overall over the next two, three? even five years, where do you see it going on a national level? Yeah, we do, we, we are um, into our kind of long range forecast that, that I helped develop. We are, we are putting in a, um, a slight downturn, uh, what we would call a mild downturn and starting really in 2021, uh, but probably at the end of 2020. Uh, I think, you know, the election is a, is a factor you have to consider too in all of this yeah. as an election. Um, even in the last election, we saw a lot of uncertainty leading up to the election uh, was caused a slowdown in housing. But anyway, so long-term we do see um, a mild, what we call a mild downturn in housing, which means possibly a, you know, in some markets, a, a home price depreciation May not it probably won't be nationwide, but maybe nationwide slight one to two percent uh, decrease in home prices. Uh, nothing like what we saw last time around, where it was thirty to fifty percent. Mm. Markets it may be more than that, and then a, a slight uptick in some of the um, foreclosure volume as a result of a combination of that home price piece as well as. Um, as well as the FHA piece that I that I mentioned, and that would uh, that would be really through 2020, 
we'd see that the effects of that downturn in 2021 and, and 2022, and then the, the market bounce back um, in the next couple of years after that. I mean, of course, this is like, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very cloudy crystal ball. So, you know, you got to take, honestly, the, <laughs> that's, that's what you've got to, um, we, we do have to kind of base our business on something. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I can't, uh, I can't claim to know the future, but that's our best kind of guess of what's, what we see happening in the next five years. I know you guys have to have tremendous amount of data points. Can you give us like any kind of idea of concept of that? You know, and how you're looking at this and you're looking at the future. I mean, it's got to be so much that you're looking at to kind of have a sense of where we're going to be in the next few years. What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, lots of tons of data, economic and housing data that we're pulling in. And you know, a lot of it also is looking back and how the market performed in previous cycles. I mean, the market, the housing market is cyclical in nature. You don't typically see the huge down cycle that we did last last time around, but particularly on a regional basis. So um, yeah, we're looking at um, a lot of that data. I think the big, uh, you know, we're looking at economic data for recession indicators. That's become less likely. There doesn't have to be a recession to be mm-hmm. a downturn, and vice versa. There doesn't. Not every recession comes with a downturn in housing, but that's certainly one factor that could those those could affect it. Together. Um, for me, one of the biggest things is the our own data that we have. The at least this is more on a short term basis than like it's hard, you know. There's really no great data points to point out five years other than saying, you know, assuming that some of these triggers happen now, what impact will that have in the next few years? Yeah. How we saw the market behave in past cycles. Um, But anyway, on the short term, you know, looking for those short term triggers, some of the data we have, especially when it comes to investors. I mean, I see in real estate investors as the front line of the real estate market. Uh, if they're, if they're good at what they do, they're, they know their market better than anybody. And so when we see their behavior at the foreclosure auction, that tells us a lot about what they think the market's going to be mm-hmm. looking in the next six months to a year. And that's a huge thing. I mean, when, um, when we, we, we measure something called the foreclosure rate. So it's just simply the percentage of properties that go to the auction that actually sell to an investor as opposed to going back to the bank. If you see that drop off, start to drop off pretty dramatically, and we've seen that in a couple of markets, um, that's a sign that the investors, at least in that market, are not, um, not confident mm. and, and are pulling back. You can see it very clearly back in 2005 nationwide. You saw that foreclosure rate percentage of property selling to third party buyers just plummeted about the second quarter of 2005. That was about a year before we saw home prices start to decline. So that's one thing we're looking internally. If we start to see that drop off um, dramatically, that's a sign that investors are not confident in the market. And then that probably will mean that the rest of the market will will follow. 
I know back in the recession, a lot of people who were investors, they were maybe over leveraged and they lost everything. Um, how can investors today, assuming they don't, they're not silly and just don't leverage everything to the nines, um, how can they make sure that they're making wise decisions and purchasing right? Do you have any thoughts around that and just some tips and advice you could give to the investors listening? Yeah, I think it's uh, taking a a disciplined approach, um, which is which can you know can go both ways. In some cases, investors may may fall into the trap of of, of being fearful of of the market, even without a lot of evidence for that. Um, but on the other hand, you can get caught up in the frenzy of excitement and and uh, and start buying mm -hmm. properties that you shouldn't be buying. And it, it's tough because there, there's certainly, the market plays into it and you may miss out on opportunities, but um, looking at, you know, starting with the big overall trends, like is this market have population growth? Does it have job growth? Does it have um, those, those things that would be feeding into demand for more housing over the mm -hmm. long term. Um, and then, then from there, you know, jumping to, for your investing strategy, what, what are the numbers that you need to make that work and, and sticking with those um, for, uh, for your market. I mean, that, that's the, approach I, I would recommend as a, as a disciplined approach. It's, um, mm -hmm. and maybe that's, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's where you're going, but I think that's the, the best thing I could say. There are, there are certainly market trends you can look at, but um, I think especially, you know, the one, the guys I've talked to, I've, I've talked to some, some large investors who got caught during the last downturn and they don't want to get caught again. So they're, they're, um, so, so the point I want to make here is it really, it, de it depends on how, um, I guess leverage is a word, but how, how much exposure you have in the market. Like if you're doing right. 20 properties a month, you really need to be careful, uh, because, um, a, 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 a turn in the market could have a, a big impact on your on your business. Um, if you're doing a much smaller volume, you're you're probably much safer, um, even if the market turns because you're you don't have as much exposure. So it does depend a lot on on that. And uh, the the big guys, some of the big guys I know are in some markets are are really pulling back because of that. It's not necessarily that they see the immediate signs that the that there's a downturn happening, but that they have so much exposure, mm -hmm. they don't want to make the mistake they did in, in 2005 and just keep buying like crazy when, um, and then get it caught with their pants down. Yeah. And these are people who are buying and holding or flipping or both? Um, it's, it's both. Uh, I think... The, the one guy that's popping into my mind is uh, doing a lot of flipping. Um, and so, yeah, you have, 
you know, 30 projects going on and all, all 30 of them don't go, sell <laughs> go south because, you know, home prices take, take a dip. Yeah. Uh, that can, that can have a big impact. Yep. I think, um, and actually some of the folks I've talked to, they've, they, and this was even during that kind of blip we had in 2018, um, because of mortgage rates, the folks who thought they were going to flip just couldn't, couldn't make the numbers work. And so they had this properties, they ended up, um, holding it as, as a rental, um, and so that's that does tend to be a, a strategy that can kind of potentially bail you out um, uh, if if you're having trouble with the flipping. So you th- you think an investor can still be successful and profitable and and healthy even in a a downturn in real estate? And if so, um, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think the the investors who who uh, got you know made the most amount of money during this last cycle were the ones who were willing to buy basically at the bottom close to the bottom of the market actually even when the market was declining mm-hmm. um, those are the ones who came out the best and so that's there's you know there's the your tolerance for risk uh, is is part of that but it's certainly possible if you're willing to think long term and you know, again, getting back to that foreclosure rate, it's a really interesting graph to me as you see that in 2005, the investors backed out before the rest of the market realized what was going on. Mm. And into that, as early as 2008, early 2009, prices were still dropping. Right. Everybody was scared of the housing market, but you, we started to see that foreclosure sales rate at auction spike. Investors came back and started buying. Um, some of them were the big, large hedge fund investors and others, right. the ones who, and theirs was, you know, because prices were dropping, they were not flipping many, most of them. They were holding, um, knowing they could get cash flow in the short term. And they expected to see exactly what happened is the market bounced back and the, the, the value of those homes recover very nicely. And so that, um, that's, I think, a lesson now. You're not going to, that was maybe a once in a lifetime type of cycle. <laughs> but that was insane. Still, you can take those principles and say, look, you can, you can definitely um, succeed in, uh, in the short or in, the, in a down market, especially if you're, if you think, long-term and think outside of the box of just um, maybe what your investing strategy is right now. Yeah. So as an investor who should see the opportunity and be like these guys back in the day who they just knew what was going on, right? They didn't have to wait for it to show up on CNN or see the headlines. Mm -hmm. How do I, as an investor and the people listening, how do I build that awareness to know what's going on and, and kind of be able to see into the next six months to 24 months to, to make the right moves. Yeah, I think um, if you're an investor working in a, a single market, it probably makes it easier. You, you're going to know that market. You're going to see a lot of the properties that are transacting and 
and what they're, you know, how long it's taking for them to, to sell and how long or what, what price they're going for. And so just paying attention to that stuff, I think is, is huge and it should in some ways come, uh, come naturally that, you know, but I think, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, get your hands spin. I, I would just recommend, you know, set aside a, a time each week where you're looking at the numbers, um, not just intuition is, is, is a huge part of it probably, mm -hmm. especially for that investor who's operating in the single market, but have the discipline to sit down and um, have a few key metrics that you look at. I mean, um, and, and maybe spend an hour, maybe it's just an hour a week, just saying, okay, what are the latest trends in my yeah. market? Even look at your own transactions, um, use your own data to in inform you as well. Right. But uh, yeah, days on market, uh, prices, uh, I think notices looking at, on the distress side, looking at notices of default, if you start to see those tick up, that's um, a signal of more supply, but also probably a signal that the market is, is weakening. Mm. Area. So have an awareness, look at the, the data for foreclosures, look at if prices are starting to soften or go down, days on market. Is it just seem like it's getting harder to sell properties, right? Um, what about even placing renters if it's buying whole people? Uh, did you say placing renters? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those, those um, you don't want to, you don't want to make the mistake of taking an anecdote and, and projecting it on the entire market. But if you see a trend in, you know, I'm taking uh, two months to, to fill a property, whereas before it was within 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, that's certainly something you, you want to look at on the demand side for rents. And we haven't talked a lot about that yet, but um yeah, certainly something you want to look at. I think, you know, there's this combination of this high level data you want to be aware of, things like population, jobs in your market. And I would say home ownership rates, another one on the rental versus um, rental versus flip kind of uh, decision. And, you know, combine that high level data with what you what you, you're seeing within your own data that you're creating as part of your business. So is that, can I go to auction.com and get that information or where do you recommend someone find that stuff out? Um, well, we are, I'm posting a lot of stuff on auction.com on more of that high level stuff. Um, and so if you go to auction.com forward slash in the news, uh, you'll see there's a research and analysis piece that I'm mostly contributing to there that has a lot of heat. It, it, it is on a national level, but it has a lot of heat maps where you can drill down to your local or somewhat local market, mm -hmm. um, county level or, or metro level. Um, and so that's, that's a place I would recommend. Uh, I think a great resource is the, that has a ton of graphs and you can set up your own kind of custom 
list of uh, data points and graphs that you can look at are, is the Federal Reserve of St. Louis, uh, St. Louis Federal Reserve website. Um, and that's, uh, that's free. And they pull in a lot of data from other sources too, like the Census Bureau. So you can um, just have it all in one place and the National Association of Realtors on home sales and things like that. And that, that's gonna always, almost all be on the national level. Uh, but that is still a good to set the context of what you, what's happening nationally versus what's happening yeah. in the local market. Is there any word that you want to point people to find out more about you or auction.com and what you guys do? Yeah, I would say the, uh, the auction.com forward slash in the news. You'll see a lot of my work uh, right up there. Great place to go. And yeah, I mean, just as a plug for auction.com, it's it, go to auction.com to, to look at what's available, some of the inventory that's available um, if you haven't already. And certainly uh, you can look at the auctions, register for auctions, start participating in those online auctions, as well as uh, I would encourage, you know, depending on your market, it may not always be, and your, your strategy as investor, um, I, you know, we, we realize investors are getting properties other places other than auction.com. Considering mm-hmm. that as a source, I mean, we're, we're a huge source for this distressed inventory. And so I would encourage everybody to check out an online auction and then go physically to the, the foreclosure auction in your county. And a lot of times auction.com will be uh, the one crying that auction. Um, and the property will be posted on our site, the properties. But if you've never been to one of those, it's um, just a great experience to see and then consider, well, is this a great, good place for me to be um, sourcing properties? Yeah. Awesome. Any last words of wisdom for the listeners? Last tidbit you want to leave? Um, Hmm. No, I, I've, I've, ex- I've exhausted all of my wisdom, I think, with all your questions. So, <laughs> awesome. That's, that's what well, I got. We appreciate your time and your wisdom, and we'll definitely have to get you back on the show. And uh, thanks for your contribution, man. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.